welcome to the Equipus Church Surrey podcast. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Well, welcome to Equipus Church. Wherever you're watching from this morning, whether you're on your sofa or you're on the move somewhere, we're really glad that you took the time to be online at Equipus Church this morning. And I, I pray that this service has already blessed you and I, I pray that this message blesses you. It's uh, something that God has been speaking to me about over the last season of life and has really helped me in my walk with Him. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tom and I've been part of Equipus Church for about 10 years now and I with my wife have the privilege of leading our Equippers Church location in West London at the moment we're meeting in Twickenham so if you're ever that way we're right opposite Twickenham Stadium you're welcome to pop in and say hi. So like I said, this uh, message today is something that actually God has been speaking to me about over the last season. And uh, really it's all around the theme of identity. Many people in the world are asking big questions like, who am I and why am I here? What am I here for? It's one of the most common asked questions in the world today. And so I think it's really important as I look through the Bible, as I've journeyed with God, I've actually found so many answers to those questions. Who am I? What am am I here for and uh, what am I supposed to do? The title of my message today is very simple and I hope you catch it. It's this, be before do. Simple, right? I hope you catch that. Be before do. I wonder if you can cast your mind back to school uh, in English lessons when you had spelling tests and you learned how to spell and you learned all the ridiculous rules in the English language about how you're supposed to spell different words. And one of those words, uh, one of those rules is I before E except after C. And actually, I've actually been told that there's more exceptions to that rule than there are words that follow it. But I before E except after C. Well, today's message is B before do. I hope you've got it nice and simple. Um, warning, there's a dad joke coming, so brace yourself, get your sighs and your ooze and your disappointed looks ready. I'm a big fan of dad jokes, but um, here's one that I heard not long ago. Um, so Socrates, he said, to be is to do. Jean-Paul Sartre said, to do is to be. Frank Sinatra, he said, dooby dooby do." Strangers in the night. Okay, there we go. It was a terrible joke, but hopefully it's helped you remember. Do before, uh, sorry, be before do. People are even asking now, Frank who? Frank Sinatra, I don't know who that is. Lost half the audience. He's on YouTube. You can go check him out. One of the greatest singers of all time. Be before do. You might have heard people say something like this, that we were created as human beings, not as human doings. Um, but I guarantee that when, whenever you've uh, met somebody, you've introduced yourself to them, that you've asked this question. After you've said hello, and what's your name, and how are you, those are great things to start a conversation with. You've probably asked the question, what do you do? And uh, it's funny, isn't it? When you stop and think about it, it's a strange um, question when you're getting to know somebody. You're trying to understand who they are by asking them, what do you do? And uh, many people 
answer with things like this, like I'm a doctor, I'm a teacher, I'm a social media marketing manager, or I'm a YouTuber. Um, funny story, my wife and I spent last year living in New Zealand, and my wife, uh, we were at Quippers College studying, my wife had a part-time job in a primary school, and uh, some of the kids, maybe years gone by, they would have asked things like, oh, you're from the UK, do you know the Queen, or do you know David Beckham? Um, what these kids wanted to know was, miss, do you know any famous YouTubers? Um, that's the crazy world we live in today. But we ask people, what do you do when we're trying to understand who they are? And um, many people, when they asked me this question um, years ago, I would have said this. I would have said, I am a worship leader. And uh, like I said, I've been at Equipus Church for about 10 years. Most of that time, I've been part of the worship team. Even before I was at Equipus as a teenager and university student, I spent a lot of time in the worship team and helping to lead worship. And uh, really, it had formed a huge part of my identity. When people asked, what do you do? I would say, I am a worship leader. It's a strange, strange concept when you think about it that we tell people who we are when they ask us what we do. And of course, being a worship leader produced many great things in me. It produced a servant heart. Um, it produced a desire to be in God's house and to be in God's presence. Um, but it also actually became the source of some things that weren't so good when I made what I did part of who I was. Um, you know, it, it actually formed part of my value and my worth. So when my performances were good or bad, I actually felt bad about myself. Um, it became a source of where I got my affirmation. I'd love it when people told me that I did a good job because it made me think I was innately good. Um, there was a bit of pride that, that crept in. I had a position, um, a sense of security. And I, I actually dreaded the thought that maybe one day I wouldn't be able to worship lead. And who, who would I be if I couldn't worship lead? Um, who was I? And um, so I want to preface the message today with this statement. I believe this statement is true. And uh, I want you to go along with me. Um, I believe it's biblical. I believe it's the way that God thinks. And it's this. The statement is this, God is far more interested in who you are becoming than in what you are doing. Let me say it again. God is far more interested in who you are becoming than what you are doing. We're going to read from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it's a Pretty famous bit of scripture. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably heard it. Um, I'm going to read it in the NIV translation and the message version. And hopefully those different perspectives gives us uh, something different to different angles to see this from. So NIV, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what's God's will, His good, pleasing and perfect will. Great bit of scripture. Uh, the message translation just brings it to a whole new life. It says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. And this is the bit that I really want you to catch at the end. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Fix your attention on God, you'll be changed from the inside 
out. You see, we live in a world that is obsessed, totally obsessed with outside in, aren't we? We live in a world that's full of um, you know, external measures of success and external pleasures to satisfy us. And you know, m- much of life is about, well, much of the success in life is marked by what we do, what we have, what we achieve and what we reach, even what we wear and where we live. And many of these things are good things. I think God wants us to enjoy things in life. I think he wants us to live um, full and rich lives. And some, some of that is found in these. Um, But they don't tell us much about who we are. They're things that we do, they're on the outside. But our world is obsessed with these things, material things, things that other people notice. So we live in a world that's obsessed with outside in. But how many know we serve a God who's actually obsessed with inside out? I'll say it again. We live in a world that's obsessed with outside in, but we serve a God who's obsessed with inside out. There's a great story in the Old Testament of uh, David and uh, the nation of Israel Israel is looking for a new king. And so Samuel, the prophet, is sent um, to go and find the next king. And he goes to the house of a man called Jesse, who's got eight sons and seven of them are like super strong, really good looking, tall, handsome. They look like they work at Abercrombie and Fitch. And, uh, and then there's this one other guy that wasn't even really invited um, to the procession. His name is David, who actually then becomes king. And, um, you know, these guys had all the outward qualifications of what a good king would look like. But um, David actually had everything inside that it took to make a good king. And so in 1 Samuel 16, there's this amazing verse. It says this, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And um, as the Bible goes on, we learn that David was described as a man after God's own heart. He displayed the same kind of character that God had. Isn't that amazing? I'd love to be described as that one day, somebody who is after God's own heart. And so I go back to my statement that I said at the start. God is far more interested in who I'm becoming than what I am doing. Maybe you are on the other side of this camera, sitting on your sofa, going for a walk, and you're thinking to yourself, well, Tom, you don't know me. Um, You don't know what it looks like on the inside of me. And actually, if you did, you'd find it was pretty ugly, and I've got some pretty bad attitudes and motivations. Some of my thoughts aren't very good, and I don't want anybody to see them, especially not God. And, um, you know, you might have played a game when you were... younger called two truths one lie Um, i'm going to play a version of that game today called three truths one lie and um you know truth one is this is that we're actually all broken inside all of us when we look inside if we look deep enough if we search honestly enough we actually find that there's parts of all of our lives that are not the way we know they're not the way that they're supposed to be. There's brokenness and uh, as the Bible calls it, sin. In every single one of us, you're not alone in that. That's, the, that's true. Here's the lie. The lie is that you will never be different, that you can't change, that's always how you're gonna be and that's actually a lie from the enemy. That's the way the devil would want you to think. Truth one is that we're all broken inside. The lie is that we'll never be different. Here's truth number two. Actually, this is really deep but hopefully you catch it, is that when God looks at you and he looks at your heart, he doesn't see all of that brokenness. 
he actually sees his son Jesus. And so this, like, this is actually really complicated theology. I'm, I'm telling it really simply. Um, but um, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you ask him to come and uh, take away all the brokenness and the sin in your life. And I'm going to pray for anybody who, uh, whilst they're thinking and listening today, would uh, like that to be their reality. The Bible actually says that God no longer looks at that sin he actually sees his son. So he sees his child. He sees somebody who's lo- uh, loved and cherished and uh, somebody who's spotless and clean. That's the truth. That's the truth of the Bible. So truth one, we're all broken. Lie will never be different. Truth two is that actually as Christians, when God looks at us, he doesn't see all the brokenness and the sin. He actually sees his son, Jesus, his son. And then truth number three This is amazing. And this is something that I think sometimes as Christians we miss, is that actually you can change. And Romans 12 that we just read, it actually instructs us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Here's some good news for you today. That actually God loves you so much that he, um, he, he accepts you as you are and he, he, um, he wants you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And uh, he actually has given us the power through the Holy Spirit to be transformed, to actually see things change in our heart, to see our thought life change and our attitudes change and our heart, our dispositions change um, for the better, the way to the way that God um, has intended us to live. Isn't that amazing? So ch- three truths, one lie. We're all broken. The lies that will never be different. Truth two, that God sees not our sin, but his son. And truth three, you actually have the power through the Holy Spirit living inside you to see things changed and transformed. The inside, the inner you, not the outside, the inner you changed to become more like Jesus. And uh, so my message actually has no points today. I know you're thinking, what kind of sermon is this? All good sermons have to have three points and at least one Hebrew word. Um, But today there's no points to my message, just one question. And I hope that's enough for you to take away and really start thinking about and allow God to change. So what's the question? Well, this is the question. Really simple. Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? We've already said that God's more interested in who you're becoming than what you're doing. And so the question is, who are you becoming? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you becoming like the person that God has created you and called you to be? Are you becoming the kind of person that God can use and trust to fulfill his kingdom purposes on earth? Are you becoming a better husband? Are you becoming a better wife? Are you becoming a better parent, sibling, a better friend, a better employee? Who are you becoming? That's the question that we're asking today. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about my story. As I said before, um, for many years, I served in church as a worship leader. And um, I also mentioned that my wife and I spent a season in New Zealand. And uh, whilst we were in New Zealand, you know, people didn't know me too well when we went over there. They didn't know my history, what I'd been involved in or not. They just knew me as Tom, the new guy. And so um, nobody knew me as a worship leader. But I joined the worship team and I I was involved a little bit. Um, But it came about halfway through our time in New Zealand 
And um, I just, one day I was singing, I was worshiping, and I felt God say to me, Tom, it's time to give your guitar away. And uh, what you need to know is this guitar was my dream guitar. No, I, like I literally dreamed about it. It was, it was the thing that I had kind of set my mind um, to as the best guitar. I'd seen other people play them. I'd seen them online in magazines. And, uh, you know, I got the opportunity to, to buy this guitar. And uh, it was really my pride and joy. It was the thing I, you know, my possession that I loved the most. And so here's God asking me to give it up. And uh, so I, I said to my wife after that session finished, oh, I think God's asking me to give my guitar. And she said, well, you don't really play it anyway anymore. So that makes sense. <laughs> wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the answer I wanted. I wanted her to tell me, it's a really expensive thing. You can't give it away. <laughs> but she was on God's side. And uh, so then uh, I didn't know quite who God wanted me to give it to. So then I asked, well, who do you want me to give it to? And I got a name of somebody who I thought God wanted me to bless. And so I gave this person my guitar. And, um, you know, on one hand, it was just uh, a thing that God was asking me to give up. Um, But I knew there was something else going on. And what God was really doing was um, helping me to see how much of my identity, who I was, was made up uh, by the fact that I was a worship leader and I was on the worship team. And uh, I also knew that God was doing something new in us, in our hearts, and uh, preparing us for a new season. One of those things was actually, he was calling us into church leadership. And um, I really felt God say, well, I can't, you can't pick up what you need to pick up in the next season for me to use you if you don't put down what you used in the previous season. So God was getting me ready, actually helping me to put aside the thing um, that I had built my identity around um, to be able to walk into the new season strong. And, um, and so I knew that if I was going to go in and do the stuff of church leadership and picking up weight in the leadership team, I couldn't do the same thing I did as a worship leader where I'd allowed it to, to form who I was, what I did forming who I was. And so I began to pray a few different things. So I began to start praying things like, God, help me to become the kind of person who could lead a church. Help me to become the kind of person that could be used in your house in this way. And, um, and um, you know, as I said at the start as well, Anna and I now uh, have the privilege of leading one of our church locations here. And so my prayer is, is still, um, God, help me to become the kind of person who you can trust more and more people with. Help me to become the kind of person who can see people set free. And uh, rather than just doing the stuff, I'm asking God to help me become the kind of person who he's called me to be. And... Um, there's amazing quotes that I heard um, many years ago. Pastor Wayne and Libby in New Zealand, a worship pastor's there. They often say this to their students and those that they're discipling. He said, um, if you're not careful, your gifting can take you to places that your character can't sustain you. And uh, that's really been my prayer that, that I wouldn't be anywhere in the natural that I, God hasn't prepared me to uh, be sustained there Um, in my inner person. You know, you can do all the right stuff, but um, without a sense of who you are in Christ, it'll be empty and it won't sustain you. 1 Corinthians 13, another famous bit of scripture. The bit after this is read at many weddings. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I have faith, I can see mountains move, but don't have love. I have nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, 
but don't have love, I gain nothing. You can do all the right things. You can do all the right things as a Christian, but if you don't have the right character, the right heart motivation, if it's not coming from a place of who you are in Christ, then it's actually all for nothing. And so the question that I'm leaving you with today is who are you becoming? I want to give you five really, really quick, I can do this really quickly, five things that I think God has helped me to become um, in, in, in taking hold of all that He's called me to be. Are you ready? These are five things, five simple things. I think they could help you walk into your God purpose, your God-given destiny um, ahead of you. These are the things. Number one, be ready. You know, I've discovered that readiness is less of a destination. It's more of a disposition. It's not something that we arrive at one day when we have all the knowledge, all the information, all the skills, but it's actually a disposition of the heart to say, I am ready to be used by God. First thing, be ready. Second thing, be humble. You know, humility is not thinking less about yourself, but it's actually thinking about yourself less. In fact, one of the most humble things that you can do is agree with who, who God says you are. That's one of the most humble things you can do. Submit to God and submit to who He says you are and what He says you can do. First thing, be ready. Second thing, be humble. Third thing is actually to be hungry. I think God is really attracted to hungry people. People who are hungry to be used by God, hungry to see God do stuff in their lives, hungry to know more about God. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be satisfied. I think God's really attracted to people who are hungry. uh, Fourth thing, So be ready, be humble, be hungry, be bold. I think God's called us to be bold. I think of the story of Joshua and uh, he did some great things for God. But before he did any of those things, God had to remind him to be strong and be courageous, be bold. And uh, I think God's called us to a life of faith, to take great faith steps for him, to trust him in all that we do. And I think we need to be bold people. And the final thing is this. I think God is asking us to be a thankful people. The Bible says that uh, thankfulness is like a password that enables enables us to gain access into God's presence. I pray that you're a thankful person. I think thankfulness produces something quite powerful inside of us when we're thankful to God for what He's done, for who He is and what He's going to do. I think it releases something inside of us that enables us to take hold of all that God has for us. So those five things, really simple. Be ready, be humble, be hungry, be bold, be thankful. And I think if we can be people who are those kind of people, then I think we can do great things for God, with God and for Him. And uh, I mentioned earlier on that the three truths and one lie section that, um, you know, when God sees us as Christians, He doesn't see all the broken things. When He looks in and uh, He sees the condition of our heart, as Christians, when, he, when, we, when God looks in and He sees us, He actually sees His Son, Jesus. And so this morning, I would love to uh, give you the opportunity to actually invite Jesus to come into your heart and to take away all of that brokenness, all of that sin, all of the pain, and, uh, and actually help to transform you into the original, intended, amazing person that God had you to be. 
And uh, so I'm going to pray and maybe you want to pray along with me at home. And, and the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And so I'm going to pray and I encourage you, pray along with me this morning. Father God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you that he came 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, was buried and resurrected so that I might live in right relationship with you. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Take away all the brokenness, all the wrong thoughts and the wrong attitudes, all the stuff that separated me from you. I ask you to come and take that upon you. And I thank you, Jesus, that um, I can now have new life in you. And I confess today, Jesus, that you're my Lord and my Savior, my best friend. From this day forwards, I follow you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to connect with Equippers Church, then please visit equippers.co.uk and say hello. And if you enjoyed today's message, you can subscribe and share it with a friend. 